fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive Wednesday Week 7 Fantasy Preview Show. Rotor Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy glory, your lead blocker to fantasy championships. We feed them, we breed them, we're talking about fantasy wolves. I, of course, am the truth, Nat Jones, with me as always, the original wolf, and probably the best one too, the wolf of Rotor Street himself. How you doing, man? Probably, of course, I'm the best one. But yeah, I'm doing great. Now. My best man. Coming off a great week six, number six in the accuracy rankings for week six, getting me into the top twenty now, making that climb back up, baby. So feeling pumped about that. Uh, we had a great little uh, post game tailgate show, which I can't wait to just keep ripping. It's definitely the rawest, drunkest, like <laughs> maybe our least organized, but there's some some good elements to that too, which I loved. Uh, so pumped to do that again. Just uh, everything seems to be uh, trending the right way, brother. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. We talked on that post uh, Red Zone show about who we needed to be a hero. I needed Christian Kirk to be a hero. He was a hero. Oh, yeah. The guy catches the most bullshit. They call it a pass, but it was really like a flip for a touchdown. That won the game for me. Then he had that like 85-yard touchdown catch. I kind and I I thought that was kind of like you know in wrestling when you've beaten somebody and they're unconscious in the ring and then you just come off the top ropes on them anyway again and maybe <laughs> maybe like the other referees and the guys from the back locker room have to come out and pull you off that's kind of what I ended up doing so that was a good one for me how'd your games end up last week uh, I mean I mean one of my heroes needed to be Drake and he was the other Look. needed to be McCole Hardman though I needed like a double heroic effort and one got twenty nine one got zero so. <laughs> didn't end up panning out for me, sadly. Uh, and I was facing Kirk in my other league, needed him to be a shithead, and, and clearly he wasn't. So, oh, tough week for the, the Wolf, but here we are bouncing back. The predictions, again, at the end of the day, what you guys are tuned in for is the predictions. Those are all going steamingly hot right now, so we're going to keep it going. One, you know, almost a K in DraftKings money as well, so that ended up turning out to be solid. So, overall, some nice wins, some tough real-life losses in fantasy, but that's why we're here. Uh, and just uh, again, real quick, whoever's tuned in, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Periscope, the thumbs up button helps us get discovered. It'd be huge for us. And if you're catching the uh, fancy fullback dive, we paved that path to 2020 titles. Thanks so much for catching us there. Any reviews and subscriptions are always so appreciated. So thank you guys. Tune in and live. Ask your questions. We, as you know, it's about a 45 minute show till we get to them. And then we just sit here and rip them off. What was it like an hour long last week of a mailbag? We had a ridiculous amount of questions. We sat in there and we went and we actually had to cut it off. Yeah. uh, Which we hate doing, but at the same time, I was thrilled because it meant we had more content than we knew what to do with. And that's because you guys are engaged and you're watching. So thanks for that. Uh, Today's episode brought to you by the Rotor Street Journal glossary term plotter. Plotter. (laughs) Um, can you define plotter for us real quick, Wolf? It's one of my favorites. It's just like a, a running back getting force fed and doing nothing with it. Just blum, blum. you hear like the accordion playing behind them while they just stomp and like grass is flying up and they're looking like they're working really hard, but they're just going nowhere, like running in quicksand. Mm-hmm. Fucking plotters, like Eddie Lacy, right? The, the definition of a, an old school plotter. <laughs> Trent Richardson. 
Oh, yeah. Great historic plotter. Love Trent Richardson as a plotter. So who's the biggest plotter in the NFL right now, if you had to put it out there? Because I feel like the NFL right now is not super plotter heavy. You know, it's kind of like how the NBA has gone away from the center that can't really shoot and stuff like that. And now everyone has to be able to have range and stuff like that. I feel like possibly the NFL is going maybe a little bit away from the plotter. Definitely. Yeah. You see the scat backs is a pass happier league. Like it's all about the speed nowadays. So you don't have any too many really just definite plotters now, but I would say if there's one and just getting more and more plotty by the week, David Johnson, I just, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. He, he seems to he is plot. kind of a plotter. Yeah. Nothing I like was going to say, I mean, Frank Gore, but I feel bad saying that because he has every excuse to be a plotter at this point. Right. This is the time in anyone's life you get to be this age, you're allowed to plot a little bit. I mean, the fact that he's out there, football. he's yeah. a starter on an NFL team. Um, you know, by the way, how about that uh, starting quarterback running back combination they got going in, in New York right now? Is Joe Flacco the worst? He's the worst quarterback in the NFL, right? Has to be absolutely okay, the worst. Checking. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Frank Gore is probably the worst running back in the league. Yeah, That's but he's awesome. He's the will. definition of a, a plotter. But like you said, 80 years old, like you're allowed to fucking plod when you're that old. David Johnson, just it, no excuse to be trading your number one alpha target hog. One of the rarest commodities to find in football for a plotter. Just the definition of a plotter goes to show why Bill, Bill O'Brien got canned. Uh, it's not as not soon enough, but got canned as the first coach this year and replaced with possibly somebody worse than him. <laughs> Grinnell. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. One, that all day. <laughs> one more question about plotting that you have to be a running back to be a plotter. I think so. It's a good question. I mean, you see a lot of like Jason Wittens who like run like plotters, <laughs> but to me, it's about like the volume in addition to the motion. Like there's certainly some dad running going on with Witten and, and some of these ugly the tight ends. Yeah, it's some slow ass, but it's it's about the, the getting the 15 to 20 carries and just doing nothing with them repeatedly. Just that running into the line for, for a yard. Exactly. Okay. It has to be the volume plus the motion, to, in my opinion. Fair enough. All right. We're going to get right into segment two. And that, of course, is our week seven news and injuries. The number one piece of news that we're reporting and you and I have already both taken action on this. We we both took action within like a, a second of finding this out. And that, of course, is that Adam Schefter has reported Antonio Brown's suspension, which is going to end after week eight, which is after next week, uh, that people are starting to show interest. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What's going on? I mean, obviously, I'll just. Full disclosure, I picked him up as soon as I got that text from you. I mean, I, one, I love that we talked about this three weeks ago on our quarter season yep. awards show and, and said, why not stash him now? And so I had him in my deeper bench leagues. I scooped him up everywhere else outside of my family league because I texted my fucking brother like a moron before I scooped him. He picks him up and then says, good looks to me. Like, Fuck. Um, oh, man. But yeah, I, absolutely. This is like what the end of your bench is made for. You know, could he just not show up to anywhere and no team takes the risk? Of course, and it's just it's a burn spot. Could he show up somewhere, combust, and get kicked out? Yes, of course. It's Antonio Brown's why he's not signed as is. But ultimately, I mean, still, when he's on the field, we haven't seen it in quite some time. We saw that game with the Patriots, and he scored a touchdown, and, and we haven't seen him since then. But he looked every bit as as strong of AB as we've seen. And he, he you know, the first few years before that probably was in the conversation, maybe the leading of the conversation, the best receiver in the league. So he yeah, could spin. Probably so. 
he could step into plenty of wide receiver cores and be their best guy. Now, the rumors are Seattle, and I know both me and you are like, oh, no, not there, like of all places. Um, well, you own Russell Wilson, don't you? No, you but I do. Work? I own DK Metcalf, though. Yeah, see, me too. I have DK Metcalf in two out of three leagues, and I'm like, ah, you know, I, I still think DK will be that – at the end of the day, he's that big alpha on the outside that's streaking down the field. Like he's still going to do what he can do. I'm a little more worried for Lockett if if Brown goes there because they're saying he would be the slot guy, Antonio Brown, and that's where Lockett. You know, he moves all over. He does a lot of his work out of the slot. If he has those snaps siphoned from him, that's going to hurt. But I mean, Russell Wilson already on pace for 61 touchdowns with it with three wide receivers. Really, 61. So on pace for 61, yes, 19, leads the NFL, and he already has bye week in touchdowns right now. Oh, right, it's a crazy right. pace, like almost four a game, uh, what Russell Wilson's doing. Insanity. And that's imagine if he adds Antonio Brown to that mix. He's already a cheat code. It would just be unfair. Just obviously would be a, a little bit of a negative to DK, I think a bigger negative to Tyler Lockett. And just for Antonio Brown, there's, there's less crowded places for him to go. Like where, where would be your number one spot to see him go? Well, real quick, just continuing to touch on Seattle, and yeah. I agree with you on the DK. I mean, DK generally is pretty consistent, like four catches a game. Right. You know, and I, I don't see him necessarily going below that, even if you add someone like no. Antonio Brown. I don't think it's the ideal spot for him, although maybe you have to take into account coaching and stuff like that. Maybe it's like we're going to look for someone like Pete Carroll who will let people walk all over him. I don't know. <laughs> to me, the number one spot for him, maybe not the number one spot, but the first thing I thought of was Green Bay. Yeah. Which, uh, man, <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. What do you think? I totally, they're right in my top one or two. We talked about that on the quarter season awards. Like that was, that's the best spot. Devonte Adams. Yes. The alpha, the number one, but there's nothing consistent behind him. Alan Lazard was having a good year, but groin injury, who knows how he comes back. MBS clearly <laughs> boomer bust option. I mean, Pat, the guy Aaron Rodgers. The one question is, do those egos coexist? Like it could be the most beautiful marriage, Rodgers and Antonio Brown. I mean, the ball placement of Rodgers, the crispiness of Antonio Brown's routes. I I hope that happens. That would be just fucking poetry to watch. Um, but but that would be a great spot. I actually would really like to see him go to the Cardinals. I, I know oh, you know Hopkins. A similar argument, like Hopkins the alpha, but you know is Kirk? Yes, he's had a couple nice games, and you know would be a great slot like only guy. But still, Antonio Brown would bring so much more to that team that pushes the pace so fast in year two of the air raid. Kyler Murray uh, taking great steps, obviously as a runner, has his his inconsistencies as a passer, but a guy like Antonio Brown working the underneath uh, alongside Hopkins would be sexy. And then in in terms of a sheer volume standpoint, uh, the Eagles and the 49ers offer just like, there's not a clear cut number one on either of those teams. Um, and he would fill like that alpha volume target hog with decent quarterback play. There's obviously some shittier teams, the Jags being one of them that could use an alpha target hog. I also love the lions as a number two for that argument of like a good quarterback, a decent number one, but I mean, he could take Kenny Galladay's number one spot within a, a blink of the eye. If he's still Antonio Brown. So yeah, that's my top five is Cardinals, Packers, Eagles, lions, uh, 49ers rounding that out. And then the Jaguars at number six, just cause it's that, that spread air rate, like the Jay Gruden West coast, he, you know, Antonio Brown fits that perfectly. That's that, those are the top six spots I'd have him. I would say those are all pretty good. Some of them seem really unlikely to me at first. I was like, well, he would never go there, but now, I mean, he is in a, in mode right now. I assume were he a sane human being, which I admit is a, a hypothetical, 
it's not it's not a thing. We haven't seen him as a sane human being in quite a long time. He would he seems to be in desperation mode as in like, I just want to get back in the league. Yeah. Like this guy got a major slice of humble pie or maybe a whole humble pie. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what a wide receiver in the NFL two years ago, he's out of the game and he's Absolutely. now like gro- groveling to get back into the league. I think he could fit in a lot of these places that you said Cardinals. That's interesting. Maybe even uh, Larry Fitzgerald could, you know, be a mentor of sorts. I don't know if Antonio right. Brown's the type that listens to people, <laughs> but Absolutely. you know, he's as bad as good a role model as you can get on a team. So uh, any of those would be awesome. Personally, I, I'd hate to see him go to somewhere like Detroit and just get wasted. I mean, yeah, they might they just know. feed Adrian Peterson 30 times a week. And, and even though they signed Antonio Brown, but you're right. You know, that, that was why we talked about him in the quarter season awards is we hadn't heard anything about him, which no news is good news. And now the first thing we hear about him is the teams are interested. So he stayed quiet, you know, after humble, he's like a clown show getting the fucking humble pie right to the face is more so what, what he did. Uh, the other team that I tossed out there and a lot of people agreeing with, and I didn't have him top seven, but then the more you think about it, Texans would be kind of intriguing. Cause yeah, Fuller playing a nice alpha, doing a great job of it, but how long is he going to last? You know, there's a good chance that hamstring just pops off the next time he sneezes. And I, I, you know, Antonio Brown could be the alpha for Deshaun Watson. That has the most upside probably. in my opinion. Maybe. I don't know. I think the most upside is probably the Packers, but I yeah. think that if you're going to look at something like that, I mean, look at what we know about Antonio Brown's personality and look at what we know about how well the Texans have been run. You don't think there's I mean, you don't think he's just going to like go off on somebody in like the first week or two and be out on the street. I mean, he needs to go. He needs to go somewhere that's well run with some sort of structure in place to like keep him from just going nuts. I don't know. Also, but I mean, we say about Antonio Brown, you know, he you're big on penny stocks. Right. It's weird to say somebody like Antonio Brown is a penny stock, but he's the ultimate penny stock at this point. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you who would have thought we'd ever be putting him in that category. He costs you nothing right now, and the upside is huger than any penny stock you could get your hands on now by far. So if you got a chance, probably by the time this has come out, a bunch of people have already beaten you to the punch. But if you can pick this guy up, pick him up. Yeah, uh, those would be what the end of your bench right is made now. for, like the wolf said. Exactly. If you're live watching right now, like, and you haven't gandered, yeah, get him go, on. Go get him on your team. Like, there's very few. You know, he's top 100 in my rest of season big board. The upside is unmatchable. At this point, that's a great way to put it. So, yes, uh, go check. Let us know in the comments, too. Where do you want to see him? We'll, of course, hit them all at the end. Uh, but excited to see what you guys think is the ideal spot for him. All right. Next up, Schefter also reported the Dolphins are going to be starting first round Ruka Tui, Tua. Sorry. First round <laughs> Tua, Ruka. Shagliavoa in week eight against the Rams. They have a bye this week. Yep. OK. Yeah. So Tua has got the job. And that's, that's kind of exciting, right? I mean, it's sad because Ryan Fitzpatrick's awesome. Yeah, but it's kind of exciting to see Tua get out there. Absolutely. I, I mean, yes, it is sad for Fitzmagic was balling. Uh, he was my every week Hail Mary play because he was always 20% under unowned uh, or 80% unowned, 20% owned. I could go to him every week. He was an easy shoe in and now I will no longer have that, sadly. Uh, and you feel for the guy, you know, he's being a consummate pro saying he's going to mentor him everything, but then this breaks his heart. It's, you know. What if this is my last time starting on an NFL field and I didn't really know it? I had to sit in a meeting with the guy who fired me and then 10 minutes later sit in a four-hour meeting with the guy who took my job. And it, Unlike any other job, I'm not. I, I'm still there. I'm stuck there. And so right. he's, he's pretty upset. I personally, you know, tossing out a Hail Mary situation, 
I'd love to see him get traded if Dalton shits the bed yet again to the Cowboys. Man. Give Fitzmagic those fucking weapons and let him just get back there and, and pepper. I would love to see that. The dude would be a top 10 quarterback right back as he has been all year with those types of weapons. So that's my like Hail Mary. I hope he goes there. But they're probably going to keep him around to mentor Tua in case anything crazy happens with his hip. I don't expect that. Tua himself, I mean – before Joe Burrow took the world by storm, it was like, who's going to tank for Tua because of how good he was in the college game? Obviously, that brutal hip surgery, but the guy's a plus athlete, not really much of a scrambler, uh, but good in the pocket, good mobility, can get those rushing points when the defense's back is turned to them as well. That was one of the best like over-shoulder balls, and that's kind of what Chan Gailey's offense with these monsters of Pat, uh, Preston Williams and then, of course, Devontae Parker. They, they just like throwing it up, putting it like right where they have to go. Tua's phenomenal at that so I, i'm just excited to see him play i think for quarterback needy teams he is absolutely worth a stash i know you're not getting anything this week but put him on the bench let's see what he does in week eight and, and he could be starting for you the rest of the season schedule i looked at it I, it's like five of the last like eight or seven matchups are are green like you know top seven the dude could go crazy down the stretch here we've seen rookies all over the place receivers and quarterbacks uh herbert Burrow, like it, it hasn't mattered this year uh, if they're a rookie. I think he could just jump right in and give you a nice, you know, what what Ryan Fitzmagic was doing. Maybe won't take quite as many shots. I, are you worried for like, I, I try to think of guys like Devontae Parker, right? Who just like relied on the sheer volume from Ryan Fitzmagic. I wonder if we're going to get those types of just like, I'm going to force feed you no matter what happens from Tua. He seems like a smarter guy than that. So a little worried for some of his, his you know, the people attached to him. What do you think? I have no idea. I, I really think that this is a very odd choice. Like yeah. I, I get it. I mean, and you know, Fitzpatrick's been cool about it and I know the fans want to see him and everything. The dolphins have been doing okay this year and Fitzpatrick has been doing quite well. And he got into the game because Fitzpatrick was up so much right in the game that he was in. I think they were up like 26 to nothing or something like that. And they brought him in. He was yeah. fine. He didn't do anything special. And then the, and now they're saying, okay, we're going with Tua. It just seems strange to me. I'm not saying I don't get it. It just seems weird to me. I probably wouldn't have done it now if I were them. And I, I'm not not even trying to like ride the fence here. I have no idea what to expect. I don't have any idea how this is going to affect any of these guys. Like, there's such a wide range of how this guy could do. Yeah, he could be okay. He could be amazing. He could be terrible. He could get hurt in the first game. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm real. I, I can tell you this: the Dolphins' next game for me is much like watch TV. I'm definitely right. going to be watching. Exactly, uh, and the wide range is very true. But the ceiling is quite high, which makes him uh, to me a must yeah. add for again any quarterback needy team. Um, to me, it seems something like as you said, it doesn't really make sense given that they were second in division, you know, five hundred with Fitz playing decent ball. To me, that suggests Tua must be really impressing in practice. Like he must have, and it also suggests they probably had this in mind. Like when we hit the bye, if Tua's looking good, we're going to him. Because I, I do get the sense of like, what else do you have to gain from the season as a Dolphins? You have to get your quarterback experience. It's the most valuable thing, assuming that he is ready. He must be ready if they're just willing to hand the reins over from a guy, Fitzmagic, playing quite well. Uh, to me, it suggests he's ready. He's looked good. And if that's the case, I want him on my fantasy roster, and let's see what happens. I, I certainly want him on my fantasy roster because, again, kind of like Antonio Brown, like this is a nice lottery ticket here. You could really end up scoring. You know, when you said, I don't know what else there is to gain from the year, I mean, you could go to the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're a legit. I mean, I don't know. There seems to me like this was not – a washed year for them. 
Right. Hopefully this won't make it that. But yeah. anyway, I'm looking forward to it. I'm intrigued by it. We'll see what happens. I hope Fitzpatrick lands on his feet somewhere. That'd be um, they trade him. Let, let's talk injuries. Miles Sanders, who I've never really liked. Uh, <laughs> knee injury. He's been ruled out for week seven against the Giants. Yep, and that means Boston Scott ready for featured work. They really have no one else behind him. That led to just about nothing in week one. But then last year, we also saw it lead to 30-point days. So wide range of outcomes. Giants actually have stiffened up pretty decently on defense this year for all their faults on offense and just overall shittiness. Um, They've ultimately been a, a decent defense. So I don't know what to expect with Boston Scott. I have him ranked like right in my mid-20s. Um, would be fine plugging him in for bye weeks here for sure. A lot of people at this point, you've already gotten him. If you got him, you know, you had to bid some decent money. You picked him up. You're going to use him at that point. You get a little Thursday night juice. Who doesn't like some Thursday night action? We all love uh, every Thursday time. night juice. The dude could definitely go off for two touchdowns. Uh, I, my guess is he's right around, you know, 10 points, catches five or six balls, totals out at about 50, 60 yards. Um, and doesn't find the end zone. That, that's my hope because I'm also facing him. But I, I think he, he'll have like a solid day, unspectacular day is how I'm looking at that. And, and Miles Sanders should be back next week is what the early rumblings are. I agree. I don't have very high expectations for Boston Scott. I feel like I've been negative about like the first three people that we've brought up. But <laughs> he, he's not moving the needle for me. Speaking on Wednesday, Coach Anthony Lynn, always love a good Anthony Lynn quote said Austin Aguilar, who is on the IR with a hamstring injury, will be back, and this is the quote, later than sooner. So all you all you Aguilar, Aguilar owners. Aguilar? Uh, what are you? <laughs> well, yes. I, called, I called Tua Tui. Yes. <laughs> Rookie Tui. <laughs> and I'm on my first beer, so this is not I know. Happen. Seriously, now, how many of these have you crossed? Speaking of beers, yeah. uh, Sink or Swim, double IPA, my, my go-to channel marker, Beverly Mass. Love them. Uh, what do we got over there? It looks got, like you're a real American. Yeah. Um, well, in these turbulent political times we've got, I thought it was important for everybody to know which side I'm on. America. That's what <laughs> side. Uh, this is the Patriot Double IPA India Pale Ale from the Scantic River Brewery. They're based in Hampton, actually. So local beers. Uh, we're both pushing 8% or more alcohol in these things. But it's still no excuse for me mispronouncing uh, names at the clip that I am right now. And we're only 20 minutes into the show. Oh boy. I can't wait till we get to the it's hypothetical. Gonna, You're going to get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Eckler is, you know, coming back later as opposed to sooner. So, and, and that's kind of what I've expected too. And I've said all along to people, uh, you know, a lot of the Twitter doctors, whoever these guys are that decided to get a doctor degree to tweet about oh, fantasy football stuff from Twitter <laughs> university. Exactly. Uh, a lot of them were saying though, like there there's, you know, it could be off the bone. Like a lot, it looked really bad from what the reports were. Um, and, and this kind of confirms our suspicion. So that just means, you know, what's this backfield going to look like for the next few weeks? One, hopefully you have an IR spot for Eckler. Otherwise, if you're getting desperate, like I, I can't call him a must hold at this point. As long as you have a de- decent sized bench or a, an IR spot, of course you hold Eckler. Uh, but his owners are probably getting pretty impatient. And this backfield, you know, what, what happens from here? Well, Last week it was it became the Josh Kelly's. Uh, I mean, uh, the uh, it, everyone thought it was the Josh Kelly show, and then it became the Justin Jackson time. And we were, uh, you know what? And I will give us our some credit here. Is please said, give us credit from the start. I said Kelly seems like nothing special. We've seen Jackson do really well. Uh, pro, and I've I've been a Kelly owner all this year. And and somebody had Jackson. I was hoping to get Jackson, and he never got dropped. Uh, 
he ultimately had 20 touches to 12 for Kelly and just looked a whole hell of a lot better uh, playing 59% of the snaps to 35% of the snaps in that contest. And yes, the game flow that shootout against the saints on Monday night football. Yes. That favors the more pass catching back, which is Jackson, but Jackson also just performed so much better. And that defense, you know, giving up the third most points to quarterbacks, uh, just getting bombed weekly, the Chargers, because of how many injuries they have. I think they're going to find themselves in the scripts where they need their pass catching back more than their runner in terms of Josh Kelly. So give me Justin Jackson uh, bumping up more and more rest of season wise. Josh Kelly, I mean, in a matchup like this week against the Jags, probably a decent bet to find the end zone. So, like, could he get in lineups? Okay. Uh, but ultimately, I'm not considering Kelly a must hold anymore. Whereas Jackson's the guy I'm really trying to get out and go, uh, go for it. And he's still out there in about 60% of leagues. I, by the end of today, I think it's gotten up to like 50%, but still, you know, half a leagues, he should be owned in every league at this point. Yeah. He's projected to score, I think 14 PPR points. That's not nothing. Um, I picked him up off waivers. I got him as soon as this happened. I, I think I spent $19 on him, something like that, which is a decent chunk. But I mean, I, I needed running back depth desperately. And so yeah. I was like, all right, I got him. Eckler's going to be out uh, later as opposed to sooner. So why not get this guy, give myself a chance. Now I got to decide between starting him and McKinnon, which seemed like very similar to me, like as far as like, and I don't know who to go with. I'm going to ask you that during the mailbag. So let that yeah. remain. For a little and while. I would say, yeah, that, that's a good that's a good question. I'd probably go McKinnon, but it, it is certainly riskier after he got outcarried by Jamichael Hasty last week. We'll talk about him later. Yeah, um, we but ultimately with Eckler, the last thing I'll say about him is if you can if you're like four, four and two right now, five and one, or God forbid you're six and oh, God bless you. Good God job. Uh you must be listening to this podcast if so. Yep. <laughs> but ultimately, if you're in a great spot where you can absorb his, you know, next five six however long it's going to be absence you can toss like a bench trash receiver or like a running back you know mckinnon for example right like a guy that's going to get you a couple points these next few weeks but ultimately isn't that much of a a valuable hold then do it for eckler because you might get this guy you should get this guy come weeks 11 12 13 Uh, and yes they're going to ease him in but by your playoffs if he's been eased in and is ready to go, schedule's not bad. Uh, and, and you get Austin Eckler. I mean, a, a low-end RB1, ultimate RB2 that you'll be buying for a bench player. Like, yeah. go, go for it if his owner is desperate right now and just needs, like, a plug-in starter and you can get away with, like, an RB4 or a, a wide receiver three. Go for it, is my opinion. All right, next up, Raiders placed right tackle Trent Brown on the reserve slash COVID list. You got to explain to me why we're talking about a tackle. I mean, is it because of COVID or what? More so because of COVID because they sent home all their linemen. Uh, Trent Brown also, if you look his picture up in Roto World, looks like an angry like eighth grader after getting detention. It does not look like a 370-pound man in the NFL. Look look him up and just see what Tr- Trent Brown looks like on right. Roto World. And you'll probably start to chuckle because it looks like a, a kid. You're doing it right now while you're talking. Yes. Uh, but that's the only reason we're mentioning it is there is now a, a slight risk the Raiders game ends up getting moved, he ends up getting postponed. Just, like, keep the Raiders in mind because their whole offensive line got sent home. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry. Not a bad call, right? That, that can't be him. That's got to be, like, his son, right? That's not. It looks like kids that we used to teach when we worked at the middle school together. Exactly. Except really big. Like. I mean, he's big. He's clearly, like, huge. It's like a fat middle schooler. That's what he yeah, looks like. a fat middle schooler, right. I almost dropped a couple of names, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to yeah. blow up. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
ultimately, I don't know if that's what his face always looks like. It's just the Roto World picture of him. Is a no, pet. I just picked a random picture, and he looks pretty funny. <laughs> exactly. Uh, th- but that's the only reason we're mentioning it is you have to make sure to monitor them. All, again, all the linemen got sent home today. They did have the bye week, so it's not like he's been like hanging around and everybody's going to get infested. Um, but but yeah, you got to have your Raider, Raiders. That's the word you were looking for. What's infected, that? Not infested. Infested. That's, that's yeah. lights. <laughs> Very true. We're both we're both making some uh, gaffes today. Yeah. Uh, all right, people, you should be monitoring Joe Mixon foot injury. He did not practice Wednesday. Man, we were shitting on this guy two weeks ago. Now we're like, oh, Joe Mixon's not practicing. What's going on? Like the sky is falling. Talk to me about this foot injury. And yeah, and the reason the sky falls when he's out is we've now seen back to back games where they get negative game scripts. And he stays in, you know, out targeting Gio Bernard every week now, uh, staying in and those those scripts where it would have always been Gio Bernard. It, he's now got the receiving work on lock, we think, until this foot injury. And now he's got shin and foot and ankle. He's got all these little ailments that keep popping up and he keeps playing through them. But this one is the one that's always worrisome, a foot injury. I, I always hate that. Um, he, he came back into the game, but then like labored, came back in, labored a bit more. And then like, he ended up not playing the last eight minutes. So you have to get Gio Bernard if you own Nixon or at least some sort of backup plan. Cause he, he no, might not you play. don't have to get Gio Bernard. There's, you don't have to get Gio Bernard. Don't do it. Yes, you do. I mean, you gotta have something. You have to have a backup plan. If you gotta you're- have something, but like, come on, <laughs> you gotta be able to do better than this guy. I, I mean, Five years ago, I might have been like, yeah, maybe you could take a chance on but Gio think, Bernard. Think about how many times Bernard has like had a spot start. He always ends up putting up like 20-something touches, doesn't do anything special with them, but fouls into the end zone, catches like six balls for like ultimately he'll probably touch the ball 20 times for 70 yards, but six of them will be catches, so you'll get some nice receiving points. You'll get a touchdown, and it's against the Browns who suck. The right, Browns how, many suck points do you think, how many points do you think he's going to score? If if let's Joe PPR. Mixon, let's call it PPR. Let's say Joe Mixon doesn't play. What do you think Gio Bernard puts up against the Browns? I'd say fifteen. All right, I'll take the under. Okay, you you were expecting me to go like twenty or something, right? I'm not that psycho. I, I, I know. I was gonna. I was prepared to go hard, and then fifteen. I was like, oh, that's not crazy. I mean, but that's serviceable. It's gonna be it, such an. Uh, he's he's serviceable. That's a great word to describe him. He's so unexciting and i know so we're supposed to be talking about mixon but it's just like i can't even believe joe bernard's still in in the conversation whether uh, it's bernard whether it's you know McK- whoever you got to have a backup plan is all right. is all i'm getting at Justin Jackson. like it could linger zach taylor said he doesn't expect him to practice all week uh and but that's it that's the only update he'd give us on his injury status according to ben ben baby is the guy's the uh verified reporter on that one I've I've seen that name before, actually. All right. Let's talk about a guy. Another guy I can't believe made the injury list. Not because I'm like, I can't believe he's injured. Sure, I can believe he's injured. But it's like this guy could not be less relevant. We've talked about him recently about just how worthless he is. Marvin Jones, knee injury, did not practice on Wednesday. Not sure you're going to be able to tell the difference. Not sure this guy needs reps at this point. Yep. I mean, what, what does it matter, right? The only reason I brought it up was because he's facing Atlanta. All anybody, right, I mean, anybody still. matters against Atlanta. And it's not like anybody's sitting here like, oh, let me make sure I have my Marvin Jones backup plan. Right. If you're, if you're planning in any sense around Marvin Jones, I'm assuming that your season has been over for weeks. Yes. Right? Exactly. Okay. Oh, quite some time. Um, 
it's more so like DFS purposes. And, and you know, this would have been like the one week you might have held on to Marvin Jones for was I uh, see Atlanta on the schedule. Like, you know, he's always good for that random like 122 TD blow up. Like Atlanta's where that happens. And yeah, we might not right. get that at all. So it's like if you've been still holding on, this is more so put on here because if you're still somehow holding on to Marvin Jones, we told you to cut him in week two. If you're still somehow holding on to Marvin Jones because it was you, you were waiting for Atlanta and you're not even going to get that, then you better hate cut the motherfucking shit out of this guy ASAP. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's more so for Galladay's sake. Like if he's the only option to throw two out wide, he might put up like 700 points. Just I think your it. banner is wrong. You've got time to drop question mark. It should be time to drop exclamation point. <laughs> I can, uh, let me, let me fix that for yeah, you. You, need real to quick. Get that. you don't want to confuse the people. Um, Marvin Jones, just, yeah. What do you, what, I mean, not really much to say about him beyond we, we don't want to pile on, but I mean, against the Falcons last week, isn't that where, there you go. That's better. <laughs> isn't that what uh, Justin Jefferson, wasn't he going against the Falcons last week? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, I mean, Thielen had a nothing game and I still think he put up like 20. So, exactly, or, or exactly. More. so yeah, I mean, your point is a good point. It, it's always one of those things when one of these guys that we just think is completely worthless comes up against a defense that's literally begging for you to score on them. Yeah. What's going to happen? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you that Marvin Jones is not going to be a part of that equation either way. Exactly. Speaking on Wednesday, coach Andy, the Walrus Reed said he was not sure if Le'Veon Bell will even be active for week seven against the Broncos. A lot of craziness. I remember on the RSJ group text, a lot of people, you know, wanting to stick their heads in the oven as soon as Le'Veon Bell, a lot of CEH owners, once Le'Veon Bell got signed by the Chiefs. Right now, it's been a lot of, uh, you know, yelling and screaming, not much going on. What yeah, do you think? Is this overblown? Absolutely. And this kind of, I put it on here, one, because he might not play, which obviously helps CEH this week. But two, I, I wanted to talk about this on the pod, is what is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's value moving forward, assuming Le'Veon Bell does play? I think it's been extremely overblown. Yes, Le'Veon is a great pass catcher, You know, had some great years with Pittsburgh, largely fueled by volume, but has some talent, yes. Not, not going to go discount him, but... I still think, you know, and it was confirmed on Monday night when Jay Glazer saying he just got signed to give this guy a breather every now and again, to take off a little bit of the grind, the wear and tear. To me, he's like a souped up Daryl Williams. We've seen Daryl Williams mixing in for about 30 to 40. Yeah, great. What a compliment, by the way. <laughs> souped up Daryl Williams. Like, who? yeah, that's what I want to be. But mm. he'll see that type of work. Like the, the 35% of the snaps, 40% of the snaps Daryl was seeing. That's why Daryl's just gone out of the picture. Maybe some of the goal line work to get the grind off, but Hilaire's not been scoring touchdowns anyways. In fact, it's like a weekly tradition. He has a touchdown called back, which is the most frustrating weekly tradition of all time. He's literally had three uh, in, in five games called back on this guy. Uh, ridiculous. But that's not why you're starting him anyways. Hilaire is still going to be the 60% engine here. We saw on Monday night emphatically, the dude has great vision, great receiver, like all the things we love about him, the, the racking up 20 points without touchdowns. Like he might score along one every now and again, and sure, Le'Veon caps that ceiling. But if your league is still. Your sound just went out, Wolf. <laughs> all right. The Wolf sound just went out. I'm going to put something out here right now. My prediction Right now, for CEH owners, when people are saying, what's his production going to be going forward? Here's my hot take. It's going to be unchanged. Yep. Like, I think he's going to put up the same basic numbers that he put up before. And there's even a small chance 
that his numbers may go up, not because they have Le'Veon Bell, but just because like when we talk about expected fantasy points, he's one of the lowest performers in the league as far as what we think he should be scoring. It's not a crazy scenario to me, say, if we think, oh, we think he's supposed to be averaging, I'm just throwing a number out, 17 a game, and he's averaging 15 a game. It wouldn't be crazy to me if he ends up averaging 19 a game after this, after all these people yelling about the sky falling with Le'Veon Bell coming here. I think that Hilaire's role is going to be largely unchanged. I just think they're going to have a better backup. And I think if Hilaire gets hurt, I do think Le'Veon Bell could potentially go apeshit nuts in this offense. Right. Am I, is my, am I good, by the way? Yeah, you're good. Exactly. All my points. You're a little echoey, but you, I can hear you. All the points completely made for me uh, there at this point. Um, but but the other point, too, is and what we saw on Monday, the, the one like best case scenario, in my opinion, was this signing really pisses off Hilaire and he gets fired up and runs even harder. Like he, he was running like a fucking madman. He already has been, but I, I'm all about it. I, I, I think, as you said, his value is largely unchanged, but everybody's mind is freaking out. So like we called him a buy low last week, not because Le'Veon was there yet. But now that Le'Veon's driving down his price even further, I'm seeing like people message me. Should I trade Clyde Edwards Lair for David fucking Johnson? No. Well, Are I mean, we, I mean, if you're the if you're the David Johnson owner, you should. A hundred percent trade David Johnson away. But if that's what his value is right now, like by all means, buy, buy, jump, buy. Jump on him, jump on him. Seriously. That's great advice if you're looking for somebody. And this was true before Le'Veon got here. And the Le'Veon thing might be the thing that pushes people over the edge. Oh, this guy's an underachiever. He hasn't done what he's supposed to do. I'm telling you, he's the starting running back in the Chiefs offense, and he's pretty fucking good. I mean, I watched him last week. I was impressed with his burst and and finding holes and stuff. He's a good player. He's going to come around. John Smith, and if you have a reverb thing on your mic that you can mess with, you are echoing. But like I said, I can hear you. We can can pull off the rest of the pod like this. It's not a panic. Uh, John Smith, uh, he's got an ankle injury. He's a guy that's been kicked around a lot in my league. A lot of people talking about him. The guy who has him is pissed because people aren't making bigger offers for him. He, they, he thinks that he should be like a very coveted uh, piece that people should be trying to get. The offers have not been coming in. I want to talk a little bit about the position of tight end in general with you at some point because it's weird as shit. But anyway, with his ankle, he's limited in Wednesday's practice, uh, was forced out of the game in week six. And now it's a little bit unclear if he's going to be back or if that guy that had the huge game was at Fersker. Was that his name? Did I just mispronounce another name or was that actually his name? You got that right. Yes. Yeah. You sound better now, by the way. Hell yeah. <laughs> no, good. Anyway. So, I mean, it's a question. I don't know if he's coming back. Tell me what you think about him. And then I want to ask you a question about tight ends in general. Yeah. I mean, John, the number two tight end coming into last week, and still has five touchdowns in five games played. He's been a stud. So if he plays, he's in your lineup, no matter what. Uh, tough matchup against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. And if he doesn't play, I do think Fersker does warrant some genuine streaming con- you know, consideration. He's only 1%, 2% owned right now. Blew up for the most tight end points in the, the freaking uh, league last week. So the dude can definitely get it done. This offense is so creative in the, the way they use every position, including tight end screens, deep down the seams. Then like, it, It's just amazing what they do with their, their, all their positions, including the tight end. And Fersker was right up to the task. Uh, an easier matchup against the Texans, no doubt. But still, th- th- he can get it done in replacement of Janu. But if Janu's in your lineup, uh, if he's playing, he's in. It seems like it's good to go because he. It's, this looked like it was going to be a multi-week injury. And the fact that he's even practicing, to me, tells you he's probably going to play. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like Janu Smith. Uh, he's got to be in your lineup. And if not, I think Fersker's got to be in lineups too. 
All right, let's jump to Dallas Goddard, who I've added to the agenda last, and then I'll ask you my tight end question. Goddard is on the IR. Obviously, in this season, I think the IR is like you, you can do it and only keep someone out for three weeks, which is obviously a big change from past seasons. He has not yet been taken off the IR, uh, but there's a lot of people saying uh, if he comes off, he's a great option. It looks to me like he's probably not going to play this week. Yeah. When he does come back, do you like him? I mean, Ertz is out. Do you, do you like him as an option at tight end? Oh, I love him. I'm mean, top 10 in my rest of the season rankings uh, with Ertz now probably sidelined through week 11 at least. That's going to give Goddard the, the lone tight end job for at least four weeks, uh, assuming he comes back next week. He's eligible to come off this week. As you said, short week, Thursday night football probably won't be playing. It's tomorrow. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, tomorrow. I doubt we see him this week, but very good chance we will see him the next week after that. And this is kind of they they didn't extend Ertz for a reason, and that was because of Goddard. This is his chance to show, yes, I am the future. I am the guy. And an offense that very historically, uh, Ertz, without notwithstanding this year, they have peppered tight ends religiously in this Eagles offense under Peterson, originally Frank Reich as well. That, that's the, the motto of this game. So, yes, I absolutely am into Goddard, a great blocker, three-down guy that also can bust seams, a great athlete, big body in the red zone. I mean, every time he gets the work, I feel like Goddard shows up. And now he's definitely going to get the work because Ertz is out, and this is his time to shine. So I love Goddard rest of season. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to see what he does. I've seen him get dropped in a few spaces. He's only 44% owned right now. He was my guy this week when I woke up this morning. That I was like, where's Goddard? Where's Goddard? And I, I went everywhere trying to find him. All about it. I wonder if our rosters are really similar. I also picked Goddard up. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever doing this podcast together, if we end up just kind of taking the same advice and if our team, if we were in the same league together, which we're not this year, we'd have some real problems. Definitely. All right. Uh, let me, here's my tight end question before we get to Deontay oh, yeah. Johnson. It seems to me that the way that tight end is breaking down is it seems like there's two guys. I'm talking about George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And then, you know, you've got your guys, you know, you got your John U. Smiths or whatever that are uh, third, fourth, fifth scoring tight end in the league. But the difference with them, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, seems not hugely more than the projected scores of guys I can grab off waivers. Right. I mean, you know, so it seems to me that as far as guys that have value at tight end, you're really talking about two dudes. Yeah. They're going to trade or something. You know what I mean? It, that's the thing is like tight end definitely is one of the toughest positions to try to sell to people because it's a onesie position and there are just so many inconsistencies. I think John who was one of the guys I, I can pull it up here like what his numbers were week in and week out. Um, let me let me pull him out because he he was like a good quality like double digits a week. Uh, John who was but other than him you're right it's you know Hunter Henry will have his big weeks and then he'll disappear. Yeah, John, who 11, 22, 8, 18, and then he got hurt. So pretty, pretty steady there. Pretty good, good numbers. But he he again is is kind of the exception, not the rule here. Evan Ingram was supposed to be that guy that could blow up and, and become a great tight end. It has it has been nothing. Hawkinson's been like decently consistent, but even then it's like by consistent, we mean like guaranteed for nine. Nine, uh, right. Yeah, 14, 8, 7, 10, 9. Like, and the guys nothing. on waivers, like if you look at who the top guys on waivers are, I know projections aren't points, but it's like you're looking at like, oh, projected 7.7, 8.1, something Tight like under, that. A touchdown or bust, right. The only other guy, though, that is above that, in my opinion, would be Darren Waller. Uh, he's like okay. the he's one of the only guys that's like actually the number one of his passing game alongside Kittle uh, and Kelsey, like right up there, you know, too. 
Waller is a consistent, like, you know, you're getting 12, 16, seven targets so far, eight targets. The low is four. That's the Patriots took him out of the game when he was injured. But Waller's a guy that, like, if I can get Waller, I want to trade for him. John, who was a guy, like, if I could get him, I would want to trade for him. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, Noah Fant looked good, but then got hurt. Austin Hooper, no. Jared Cook, touchdown or bust. Like, yeah, I'm with you. It's a position, you know, it looked like it was heading the right way. And now with all these injuries, it's, it's back so to its usual self. Kelsey, Kittle, now Waller, and then, you know, you might as well get someone off the waivers. Right. That's kind of where I'm at. Deontay Johnson, back injury, is practicing in full for week seven against the Titans. Do we care? Yeah, because I, I, I think it's Claypool's job. I, I think Claypool's the number one. But before he went out, Deontay Johnson was seeing more targets than Juju Smith-Schuster, around 30% target share. Uh, and he's got that rapport with Big Ben that's tough to break. So to me, this is Claypool's number one job. And then Deontay and Juju are kind of vying for targets behind him. And I think Deontay might beat out Juju. I, I was down on Juju coming into the year, and I've only gone more and more down on the guy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think Juju sucks at this point, honestly. Like, he I, was the nominee for Dud of the Week after in our post game uh, red zone show 100% and deserved and he to deserved be. it two receptions absolutely. six yards yep absolutely Only got six more yards than we did yep and and the titans too this week are a good matchup for uh deontay johnson as well you're dangerous uh they give up a ton to slot receivers and just receivers in general and i think that game you know battle of the unbeaten teams has a nice script writing for it, passing heavy script uh, so, yeah, I like Deontay Johnson this week if he comes back and it's looking like he's going to. I think he should be a, a nice wide receiver three in most lineups. All right, let's move on to segment number three, trading tips of the week. Overall tip, you're trying to keep your emotion, both to players and league mates, out of it. Can I just make a comment about that? Sure. Easier said than done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Especially in relation to your league mates, like who you fucking hate. Yeah, these but, aren't just like online guys that you've never met. And you're like, oh, screw you, uh, Kenyon Drake 642 or whatever the hell your username is. Like these are people <laughs> I've known my whole life. And although I love them on some level, I also hate them on a much more deep personal level. Exactly. And it's like you want to keep it in check, but then we bring up this guy. And and this is kind of the, the whole trading segment is centered around the one guy I'm getting more and more questions about. Do I sell or was this the rebound of Kenyon Drake? Um, and this is where emotions, you <laughs> want to kind of listen to them and then you want to keep them out at the same time. And that's what I mean by this is the first five weeks, you would have taken a hammer and bludgeoned Kenyon Drake to you know the way he was treating your fantasy team. Sure. He, you've been offering to trade him for, uh, I forget, you've used a different unappealing thing every week. Since Shoot, up peanuts, but, Shoot up peanuts is the one I can remember, but there's exactly. another. And so you kind of have to remember feeling that way. Like you, you want to keep your emotions in check, but then you want to remember because on Monday night, if you used him, you probably like, okay, I fucking love this guy. He gave me a 60 yard touchdown run and swung me my game. I know plenty of people who've written to me like my game was decided either won or lost on that play. And you see the 28, whatever points next to his name. And it's like, Oh shit. Like, okay, maybe Drake's back, but I don't want you to forget those first five weeks and how you felt and what you want to do, and, and how I felt as an owner. I still own him. I'd be selling, selling, selling as fast as I could. This was not a sign of a Kenyon Drake revival, in my opinion. He still saw no receiving game work. He still was getting shoved up the asses of his of interior linemen, 
They just decided to block today because they were facing the fucking Cowboys. Who yeah, can we just talk about the elephant in the room, which I'm glad you just brought up? This was a Cowboys team whose defense is already legendarily bad. They just lost their franchise quarterback. And they to say they sucked in this game, both offense and defense, would be just an absolute underselling of the word it'd suck. It'd be generous. It'd be I mean, nice they, you know, Zeke sucked. Dalton sucked. Although I'm going to say something. I rarely defend Andy Dalton. I remember one time four years ago in a podcast that you and I were doing, I said, I watched a game that Andy Dalton was the quarterback in. And I kind of thought that he was playing the way that someone would play. If I all of a sudden jumped into their body, having never been an NFL quarterback and all of a sudden was facing a pass rush and had to throw balls. I was like, that's what Andy Dalton looked like. And <laughs> And so I, I'm the first guy that'll hate on Andy Dalton. How many passes did they drop that that guy hit in their hands? I mean, they had probably like six, seven drop passes. Um, they were awful. That team had quit by the time he made that 60 yard run. Yep. Like they like stacked the box. And I was like, as they were handing it off, I was like, oh, he's going to run for a touchdown if he just gets by this one guy. And he did. There was just nobody there. Let's not get too excited about running a 60-yard touchdown in against one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in my life on a week that they were specifically phoning it in, even for as bad as they were. Exactly. Good for you getting the points for Drake, but I'm selling too. Can I give you some guys and ask you if you would trade them for Drake right now? Absolutely. Straight up? Yep. Right, I'm going to give you five running backs, then I'm going to give you five receivers. Would you trade Drake for Miles Sanders? I'd rather have Sanders. Okay. Would you trade Drake for Miles Gaskin? Ooh. <laughs> the the ceilings with Drake, like if this wasn't a mirage, because he was, I'll give him this. The dude ran hard. Like he ran harder than he's run all year. He's playing like a man who has his job on the line for the he first does. time. And I'm happy and he does because he does. <laughs> he deserves to have it on the line. So I have that one lingering hope. But Gaskin, the fact that Bell didn't go there and he's looked good enough to his sparks his offense, give me Gaskin. All right. Interesting. Would you trade Drake for Todd Gurley? No, I'd, I'd I rather sit out with Drake. I, <laughs> I, want, I wanted to say yes, but I was like, no, nah, I can't do no. that. Trade Drake for Daryl Henderson? No, no. That's kind of where I draw the line. Like, you trade him for Melvin Gordon? No, because Lindsey looked pretty good. Like, I Drake has gone up to like probably running back, I want to say like 18 or so the rest of the season for me. Um, but like those committee guys that like who could lose their job at any moment, which Drake is kind Drake of is that guy. Drake is one of them. <laughs> but I'd rather I'd rather take the shot that this wasn't a mirage than right. than take a stab at like Daryl Henderson because I think he is a mirage. I think Gurley is too touchdown dependent. Um, but I've seen like, would you rather have Clyde Edwards Hilaire or Drake? I'm like, give me Clyde all fucking day. Like, how's that a question? Of course. Yeah, I would throw in a lot to sweeten the deal. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, what about some receivers? Would you rather have Drake than Tyler Boyd? Mm, I'd rather have Drake just because I think T. Higgins is the real fucking deal. It might take yeah. that one job. Would you rather have Drake than uh, Chase Claypool? No, I'd rather have Claypool. I, and that's, I am just you know, you know, iffy for Claypool, though. I, I have the biggest. I mean, well, it, it's big for me, Stiffy. Not the right. biggest because it's still no, tiny, it's, it's a large for the wolf. Large right. for the wolf, yes. <laughs> Chris Godwin. Would you rather have Drake than Chris Godwin? No, nah, give me Godwin. Would you rather have Drake than Cooper Cup? Ooh, yeah, yeah. 
And so I'm assuming if you're saying, yeah, you'd rather have Drake than Robert Woods also. Ah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, those are my 10. What about this one? DeAndre Swift blowing up last week. I'm going to talk about him more, so I'm not going to go too much in depth about it. But would you rather have Drake or, or DeAndre Swift? I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I think I'd rather have Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would too, but it's close for me. It's really close. All right, let's move on to segment four, higher, lower, Hail Mary. Uh, Wolf's record since we've been keeping track, 14-7-2. and two. Um, Quarterbacks, 4-1-1, one, and one. nice job. Running backs, 4-1. and one. Wide receivers, a disappointing 2-4. and four. Tight ends also a solid 4-1-1. One, and one. We're going to see if we can switch that around. We want to talk about week six where he did a pretty good job. He had Cam as his higher quarterback. We deemed that a push. He went right around where we thought. Uh, or the wolf thought he would. He was lower on Minshew, which ended up being a, a no. We, we lost that one. I don't. It's hard to believe. In for that. All my comments on Minshew were like, "Man, this guy sucks." <laughs> it, he looked like he was headed for like a QB twenty-seven day, and he ran one in, kind of like Cam. Cam looked like he was horrible, and then he ran one in and saved me. So right. you know what? I won some, I lose some. <laughs> All right. Well, your hail mary was Fitz, which is just pretty much a guaranteed win, which you did. Running backs. You were higher on Gaskin. That was right. Uh, he was, ended up being 11 higher in the rankings. Uh, you predicted something along those lines. You were yeah, lower. I, I was plus 11, and he finishes the RB7. I was plus 7 and had him at like RB15, and he ended up being the 7. Yeah, so. which was a good call, definitely. Uh, yeah. You were lower on Ingram. That seems so easy, and you were correct. <laughs> because he's a running back on the Ravens. And you were also higher on Lindsey. The guy rushed for over 100 yards. So did a good job with the running backs, 3-0, and contributing to, to that great record on running backs. Wide receivers, where, as we said, you have struggled. You were higher on Kenny Galladay. I admit I was a little bit dubious of that one. You were wrong about that. Just And it's really just because I don't trust the Lions at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't anything on the pick. You were lower on Cup. You were definitely right about Cooper Cup. One of the reasons I was able to win my game is because Cooper Cup sucked so bad for the other guy. And you were you liked the Hail Mary on McCole Hardman. Talk to me about that one. <laughs> it was one of the funnest hate cuts of my fucking life <laughs> cutting him yesterday. I literally I think I tweeted out like they could have every single person on their team wiped out besides Mahomes and, and McCole, and I would still have hate cut him first thing in the morning. Complete goose egg. Losing snaps to something named Byron Pringle. <laughs> Nothing like Byron Pringle outscoring my Hail Mary of the week. Just a fucking dud. He'll have his days where he's going to catch a 50-yard touchdown, and if you, you finally fucking prognose it right, like good for you. But no fucking way. Like, I, I, I'm done. Hate cut. Send him on. You can have fun with that guessing game because I'm fucking done. Goodbye, McCole Hartman. Yes. Tight ends. You were higher on Gusecki. You were wrong about that. You were lower on Schultz. You were right about that. You took a Hail Mary on Irv Smith. You were right about that. He ended up the tight end 11. All right, let's get into your tight end picks. Let's try to improve these, especially at wide receiver. Guy, you're higher on. The experts like him at 17. You like him at 13. Carson Wentz, not a gigantic difference. No, it, it could be this week. There was just no huge leaps and bounds this week. But plus four on a guy that everyone's kind of ranking as someone you should bench. Right. I'm thinking he's someone you should probably start in a bye week most times. He's got 23, 23, 20, and 33 fantasy points across his last four weeks. And that's with Pittsburgh, with Baltimore, uh, throwing to exactly no one. I mean, Travis Fulgham, whatever the fuck that creature is, has been his leading receiver. Putting up big numbers, man. I mean, put, he's clearly got some juice, but, like, that's your number one. So Wentz 
is getting it done with nobody. Now he gets Deshaun Jackson back. He gets Lane Johnson back on the line. He's sneaky fifth in quarterback rushing yards. There's like a, a little bit of Konami stuff going on here. And the Giants, yeah, they've been decent on defense, decent against QB. Uh, but the points just always seem to come with Wentz, no matter how ugly. Oh, I got to put this this Drake this up. Uh, the, the points just seem to always come with this fucker. So on a Thursday night, get a little juice, get a little action. I think we would get a nice 25-point day from Wentz when everybody's expecting him to be a back-end QB2. I actually don't hate this pick, but I want to say something that I also remember. I said, I didn't think I'd be defending Andy Dalton. And here I was defending him. He said the Giants have a decent defense. I actually think the Giants defense is kind of sneaky good. Yeah. I wouldn't be utterly shocked if they end up, man, do I want to say the Giants are going to beat the Eagles? That would be crazy. Um, Say it. I'm going to say it's like a coin flip. 50 50. Um, right, let's go. I mean, I, I, yeah. But anyway, I still think your pick's a good pick. Lower guy you're lower on. And this has been a more and more common thing lately. Drew Brees, you got him as your quarterback 18. The experts had him at 13. You're basically switching Wentz and Brees in your quarterback rankings. 100%. And I don't see why not. Yeah, I get Michael Thomas back. Great. Of course, getting your huge alpha number one back obviously is going to help you. He's got his full complement of weapons, but even still. He's been under 17, and, and depending on your scoring, under 15, depending on how much you penalize interceptions, in three out of five weeks, below the quarterback 20 in those three or five weeks. Carolina is the fourth hardest matchup for quarterbacks. I, I don't know why. I don't know how that defense is as good as it is, but they've been a, a surprisingly good pass defense despite having no secondary. Matt Rule's clearly doing something right uh, with that pass D. And, the, the, you know, they're so susceptible to the run as well. So you get, you know, Latavius Murray, obviously Alvin Kamara. To me, it seems like it's going to be one of those days where those guys combine for like three to four touchdowns on the ground and Breeze gives you a meager 15 points. A touchdown or something. Like, yeah, exactly. 240 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Field day for the running backs. Crap day for Breeze. Whereas everybody's thinking he's a a, that, that guy that could be eked in the lineups. To me, it's much more so Carson Wentz. Do you think Drew Brees is going to hang on past this year motivated by the all-time touchdown record that he leads Brady slightly in? A lot of people thought Brees was going to run away with it. Now it kind of seems like it's going to be more in question. They might be going back and forth. That does seem like the type of thing Brady would hang around to get. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I, Brady, for sure, will hang around till he gets it. And I think maybe Breeze is smart enough to recognize that. Because the thing is, is like where do you really think the Saints are going to keep going back to Breeze no matter for however long he wants to play? It seems like Peyton just has that hard on for for Taysom. And at some point, Taysom's not necessarily young, Taysom Hill. You know, they're going to want to get him at least a season. At some point in a few years, we're going to be talking about Taysom Hill, and he's going to be like 35 years old, coming in for like six, seven plays a game behind Drew Brees. Still, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right, Hail Mary for the week. Kyle Allen is playing against a tough-ish, and I just referred to this, the Giants having a sneaky good defense, a tough That was last week. That was last week. What's he doing on the sheet? Because that's my that's my show notes. I got. I guess I got to move them. Oh my gosh! You know, I'm just like the idiot reading the teleprompter, not knowing what's going on. So who's our guy? We got Wentz against the Giants. Okay, yeah. Well, I was confused. I'm confused a lot this episode. Who's Kyle Allen going against? Why do you like him? He's going against Dallas, so that's part of it. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, that's all you need to say. (laughs) The non-existent defensive Dallas, Uh, but against the tough. The reason I had the Giants on here was against that defense. We're calling sneaky decent. 
he threw for 280 and two TDs. And I don't think anybody kind of recognizes Kyle Allen had a, a decent day against one of the tougher defenses in the league. So now he's going to get Dallas. We've already seen him rush in for a touchdown. And we saw what Kyler Murray did on the ground against Dallas. I think Kyle Allen could sneak in for like two touchdowns on the air, maybe one on the ground and have like this crazy day. If you're desperate in a two QB league, like chuck out that Hail Mary. I, I kind of like Kyle Allen against Dallas. Kyle Allen's not terrible. It kind of is terrible, but the defense uh, is one notch above terrible. Whatever the whatever we need to at some point put like the 10 adjectives that we're going to describe people from best to worst. If terrible's the bottom or next to the bottom, he's one notch above that. He's yeah. like maybe really bad. And All it's right. one of those things too. I keep seeing like McLaurin top seven receiver this weekend. He should, he's going to destroy right. Dallas. Then I see Logan Thomas, like your tight end sleeper of the week, tight end 15. So, well, if, if those guys are performing, that means Kyle Allen's racking up points. Kyle Allen, QB 29. It's like, well, oh, how true. can we be so high? You know what I mean? Like, how can we be high on everything in this offense except the guy that's engineering it? Right, I, and the guy know. that's putting the ball in their hands and is, as a result, getting points for that in fantasy. Exactly. All right, let's go to running backs. Guy you're higher on, the aforementioned DeAndre Swift. You got him as your RB12. The experts have him at 19. Sell me on this Detroit running back. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the mixed bag here. And and one of them is, well, the dude only played 38% of snaps, so how can we go all in? Well, he played 38% of the snaps. He saw almost 50% of the opportunities, 44.7% with 18 uh, targets and carries combined. And what did he do with them? 116 yards, two TDs, as well as seven yards through the air. And more importantly, getting three carries from inside the five-yard line. After AP got his nominal, like, got into the end zone early on, they, for whatever reason, decided, let's go to Swift at the goal line the rest of the game, and he came out for him. Right. Oh, we talked about that last week, yeah. You're right. Exactly. Like, wh- I don't know why, necessarily. AP had a decent day uh, with that touchdown, but they, they just decided, let's go to Swift. They kept AP on the sidelines, and AP got it done. So if he's going to consistently be in there for at least a, a half of the goal line, looks every week if he's going to be in there for 38 percent of the snaps uh, we saw what he could do the talent was very clear so much more explosive i mean eight over eight yards of carry compared to like 2.5 for adrian peterson and every single week adrian peterson goes from 59 percent to 44 percent to 35 percent of the snaps it seems to me like he's just trending that way whereas we just keep seeing swift rise and then let's talk about the matchup atlanta a joke but also pretty good against running backs as like pure runners we saw them eliminate fucking Madison, everybody's darling play of the week, just got eliminated on the ground. But what they don't eliminate is pass-catching running backs, and that is where Swift thrives. He was the best pass-catching back, other than maybe Hilaire, coming out this year. He's seen 20 targets on the year, compared to seven for Adrian Peterson, five for Car- on Johnson. That's 63% of the running back targets. So if this team, the Falcons, giving up the second most receiving yards to running backs, giving up the, you know, the most touchdowns receiving to running backs with four, giving up the second most receptions with 46, I mean, if the matchup is Pepper running backs through the air against the Falcons, and especially if the Falcons put up points early, and I think they will against that bad defense with Julio now back, the script is going to say passing. And that's going to mean I think we see Swift get to about 50% of the snaps this week, maybe you know, monopolizing close to 60% of the touches. And we just saw what he can do when he gets the work. I love him this week. I absolutely love Swift this week. All right, low on running backs. This is a guy you've been going to the well on a lot. When we're talking about guys who are low on David Montgomery facing the Rams, you got him as your RB 24th. The experts like him at 15. That's a difference of nine. 
I don't even think you really need to sell this, but go ahead. I mean, he's ranked as the RB15, like you said, like what? 15. Why? That suggests that like he's, uh, you know, if you, you're in a decent league, there's a good chance he's your best running back. And why? <laughs> no, there's, Again, I can't think of any reason. 11th in total opportunities so far this year, 25th in points per game. I mean, no matter, he's, it's a classic, inefficient self. Always yeah. this huge gap between the usage and the production. Saw 20 opportunities last week. If I told you no name running back, just insert Nat Jones against the Carolina Panthers and give him 20 fucking touches. That defense is so bad that Nat Jones would probably go a hundred in a TD, but no, he went up. <laughs> Nat Jones probably wouldn't hypothetical NFL running back. Nat Jones might, but this Nat Jones. Yeah, that would be, uh, that might come into my hypothetical later, actually. Maybe that, but that's how bad Carolina is that you might be able to f- fall into the end zone against these guys. He didn't, he scored Maybe. 13 points on 20 opportunities against probably the worst run defense on the league. That's as inefficient as it gets. Um, and the Rams, not like a crazy hard matchup, but certainly much tougher than the Panthers. Uh, certainly can put up points and kind of script Montgomery out of this game. You're looking for like a, a touchdown or bust if you're ranking this guy at 15. And he's only scored like one, I want to say, on the ground. Just uh, why? Again, why? A low-end RB2 that's getting ranked as a low-end RB1. Makes no sense to me. Hail Mary, Dernest. Is it Dernest or Dernest? I think it's Dernest, but I'm not positive. Because I think the French would pronounce it Dernest. Dernest. Right. It would be like of Ernest. Yeah. Uh, Dernest Johnson, 15% owned. Uh, why do you like him as your Hail Mary pick? I mean, against Hail Mary for sure. I mean, it's, it's a Hail Mary right there. And he certainly is underwhelmed because when Chubb like left that Cowboys game, Dernis led the team in carries with 13 and yards at 95. So it's like, okay, maybe we've got ourselves a nice little like 1A, 1B with Kareem up. No, he, he's been nothing. But the Bengals, they've had the a brutal, the, the um, Browns schedule with Pittsburgh, Baltimore, like a tough run D schedule. Now he gets that get-right spot. Fifth most rushing yards per game allowed by the Bengals. Last time the Browns faced these guys in week two, they racked up 210 yards and three rushing touchdowns on 32 attempts. So if we get a similar script, and I don't see why we wouldn't, that means we'll probably could peg the earnest for uh, about 10 carries. And against the Bengals, you don't need a whole lot more to hit 50, 60 yards to maybe fall your ass into the end zone. So for a Hail Mary, everyone's been dropping this guy because he's done jack shit since yeah. he's been out. Why not give him a toss into the flex if you're desperate at running back? All right, wide receivers and the picks here, there's a high stakes here because we've seen that your failings have been coming at the wide receiver position when we're coming to this higher, lower Hail Mary game. Wide receiver, one that you are up on uh, more so than the experts, and you're up actually a lot more on this guy than the experts are. Rare to see someone going to a representative of the New York Jets, but you're doing it. Jamison Crowder, you got him as your wide receiver, 17. Experts have him uh, at 30. (laughs) So they got him going up. By the way, as a a related note, big bidding war for the Bills this week, whose defense is going against the Jets in my hometown league. I bid on him, did not get them. I was outbid substantially. A lot of people wanted him. Yeah. Sell me on this Jets receiver. They absolutely should want them because the Bills – uh, they're not anything special on defense, but the Jets are just that bad. And I think that's why everyone's overlooking the fact that Crowder's been straight up balling all year. Uh, yes, Dud last week. He, he he didn't do anything special. But entering last week, he led the league in receiving yards per game. More than Hopkins, more than Adams, more than anybody. He had 11, uh, uh, 111 yards 
per game entering last week. He had seven catches in 100 yards in every game entering last week. And what was the the difference with last week? Well, Joe fucking Flacco was his quarterback. But now we have Darnold back at practice, the dude that just absolutely loves Crowder beyond all belief. We we get a uh, Jets team, I mean, a, a Buffalo team that's been very susceptible specifically to slot receivers. Uh, so, and this is a team that, that Crowder himself roasted for 7-115 in a TD in week one. I wouldn't be shocked to see him do it again. And to be ranked as the wide receiver 30, like a, a afterthought, Makes no sense to me. The, the disrespect to Crowder. Yes, disrespect the Jets. Hate their ugliness. But there's one thing Gase does well. It's pepper his slots. Even in the losing awful effort of him last week, he still saw 13 fucking targets. Like, he's going to get used, and I think he's going to produce this week. Are the Jets one of the worst teams you've ever seen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me, me too. I, Maybe. I mean, I've been watching football for a really long time. So I, I don't want to, even though I love hyperbole, I don't want to – go out on a limb that much and say they're the worst team I've ever seen, but they got to be one of the worst teams I've ever seen. You think they're going to win a game? I mean, people usually do, but you know, if you said to me, Hey man, the jets are going to be zero and 16. I'd be like, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. They're, they're over under on the year. I think was four and a half. Oh that, uh, God. Why didn't I jump on that? Oh yeah. I smashed that one. I don't do much betting, but that was one that was like, Lock. I mean, we had a battle in our fantasy league this this week, this past week, between zero and five teams, and it was just like a real slap fest. And, <laughs> and the team that lost was the team that I thought was the worst team, and they're zero and six now. And now I'm just looking at him, being like, he, "This guy's not going to win a game." You have a penalty for teams that just don't win a game. We have a tattoo on the line if you don't win a single game. <laughs> no, we should. We're not that progressive. Uh, we should. Yeah, this guy, should. Would, this guy wouldn't do it anyway. It takes right. a, a special. I mean, I've had some awful, awful teams. I, I went. I had Tom Brady, and this is back when I didn't really know how to play fantasy. I had Brady. The one year I've ever owned him was the year yeah. that in the first quarter of that game against the Chiefs, he like broke his leg yep. or his knee or whatever. And I think I went three. I think I went three and ten that year. Yeah, and it was awful. But even then, I won three games, and I came close to winning a bunch of other ones. I went thirteen special. It's it's very bad. Yeah, exactly. What's the worst yeah. record you've ever had in a fantasy season? I've uh, my worst finish ever is seventh place. So actually, not that bad. Um, and I think I want to say I was like, I I had like six wins on the year, maybe five. So like a sub five hundred team, maybe by sub five hundred. I think that's only happened to me once this year with losing Christian McCaffrey in an auction after going all in to get him. I'm two and four right now, and it is unfamiliar, dark. Haven't slept in about seven straight weeks. Like, <laughs> it, it, I went two and zero with McCaffrey. Haven't won a game since, and it's been bad. How it's many bad. teams do you have going this year? Only three. I cut it down. I really cut it down. And we didn't. Your, I only have one team this year. What are yeah. your What are your records in those leagues? Uh four, four and two. Uh, I want to say five hundred or like you know four, whatever it would be, three and three, and then two and four. So not my best year by any means. Because again, Saquon, C Mac, C Mac. Like I, I was at the top of every draft. Of course, the one year I get it is the one year both of them get knocked out. I know, but you're I'm probably so happy when you got those guys on draft day. Beyond, I was like, "What? This is the one year I get an early pick. I never get this." Huh. Yeah. Here we go. That's why <laughs> I got one team, and I'm five and one. I'm very happy. Oh. Rub it in, you fucking asshole. I'm going to, but you know, a lot can change in the second half of the year. Lower guy, you're lower on Allen Robinson. Man, I hope you're wrong because I have him on my one team wide receiver twenty, eleven spots lower than the experts who have him at nine. 
The guys had a pretty high floor all year. Um, he didn't do much last week, but I think he still had like 10 or 11 points. Why so down on Allen Robinson, aside from the glaringly obvious reasons to be down on Allen Robinson? Because he's on the Bears. But, but uh, I, that was the one I was talking about. <laughs> but, you're, you're, you know, will he get 10-ish points this week? I think so. I, could he hit like yeah, – But that would be a disappointment. I mean, this is a guy that's supposed to be a wide receiver one. For the wide receiver nine, yeah, 10 is a disappointment. And I think that's where I see his ceiling kind of being is like at most 12. And the reason why is the Rams are just – a really, really, really good pass to you. Jalen Ramsey's done a great job on number ones. Diggs caught a touchdown against him, but otherwise four for 49 and got like a snuck one in. Other than that, like nobody's topped more than nine half PPR. Uh, 12 is the highest full PPR anyone's had against Ramsey this week or uh, this year. And I, I, I mean, I think Ramsey's a very legit talent and they've given up the fewest points to wide receivers as a whole unit. So like they're, they're just good against wide receivers as a whole down on the, the entire Ram. I mean, uh, the entire fucking bears offense, you know, Montgomery <laughs> uh, Robinson. I just don't, I, I see them just kind of a complete dud. Yeah. Trubisky, of course. We don't even uh, mention him. We don't even act like he's in the NFL. Nor should we. He doesn't belong. <laughs> you remember XFL, when you remember XFL when stud. he's going to be an XFL monster next season. <laughs> you remember when the Bears made sure to draft him second overall in that draft? Traded up in the same draft that had. I'm pretty sure Watson, Mahomes, yep. and maybe maybe one other really good guy. <laughs> I mean, him. one of those would be enough, but I mean to have well, both of them. That's brutal. That's like Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. Awful stuff. All right, uh, the guy you're going for a Hail Mary on, Deshaun Jackson, 25% owned. I'm going to make a confession. I didn't know he was still in the NFL, so go ahead. <laughs> still in there. I uh, got hurt early on, but I'm stacking it up with Wentz. I- I'm going with my guy on Thursday Night Football. The ja- Giants defense, again, we can talk about how improved they are. Bradbury, if he if he shadows Deshaun Jackson, that's going to make this a tough, tough prediction, but I don't think he will. And I, I think Deshaun Jackson, I loved him coming into the year. He got hurt early on. Uh, and now he's had, you know, a good six weeks to really get himself healthy. Now, the risk here is you put him in and he gives you two plays and he fucking trots off to the sideline. You don't see him again. That could happen. Sure. Very well could happen. Uh, that's why it's a Hail Mary, folks. That's Hail Mary. So who the fuck cares? That's why he's 25% on. And when you're taking a Hail Mary, give me the guy that could also, first play of the game, catch a 70-yard touchdown bomb. Which and, he could. and I think he will. I, I think he might go deep. First game back. Who else do they fucking have? Fulgham again. Has he played well? Sure, but who the fuck is Travis Fulgham? Like, at a certain point, I think they, these guys start to come back. But with no Sanders, no Goddard, no Ertz, they're going to need someone to throw to other than Fulgham, I think. And I think Deshaun Jackson could have himself a nice little day here. All right, tight ends. Guy you're higher on, Noah Font. You got him as your tight end seven. The experts like him at 16. That's a pretty big difference. We said these tight ends almost seem interchangeable when you're talking about, like, say, five to 14, something like that. So you got him from going from the lower end of this pack to the upper end. Why do you like him? And, yeah, that's because, as you're saying, a lot of these guys are interchangeable because it's, like, touchdown or bust. Who's going to score? Not Noah Fant. He's dangerous after the catch. He's used after the catch. He's deadly down the seams. I mean, the dude started the year with 16, then 15, 7.1 meh game against Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay's got a pretty good D. And then in the first half against the Jets, he had six. He looked like he was headed to another, you know, 15 point day. He, I think he's one of the most athletic, better talents at the position in the league right now. In Kansas City, you know, 14th in terms of points allowed. So top half of the league in terms of generosity to tight ends. It's going to be, if they're going to put up points, they're going to have to sling it. 
Uh, I think this might be more injury related that they people have him so much lower, but he's now sat out two weeks. He's had time to get healthy. You know, maybe he sits and then this prediction sucks, but I think he finds the end zone, racks up about 70 yards on the way. It has to be in your top seven tight ends, given how, again, as you talk about the landscape of the position, he's one of the few guys when he's healthy is not just a touchdown or bust. He's involved in every facet of the game. I actually agree with you. I think he's kind of sneaky good and has been a little bit held back from achieving what I think he could and I think still is probably going to in the NFL. All right, the guy you're lower on, Gronk, you got him at 14. That's six lower than the experts. Give me a break, man. The guy's had, what, one good game in like three years? And and that's the whole point. Why, <laughs> why is he getting ranked as the tight end eight? Well, maybe that speaks to what I've been saying about the tight end position in general. But, yeah, yeah I agree with you. I mean, he's literally had one good game. Exactly. And, again, first five weeks. Apparently people need a reminder because he did have a good game last week. Give him a reminder. Like, had a good game. But he hadn't hit eight half PPR points in the first five weeks had a 2.1, 3.4, zero point game through three of those five games, like literally ruined you if you used him. And now all of a sudden he has one decent day against a team that's good against wide receivers and, and not so good against that. And now we're just like, boom, Gronk is back, baby. He's welcoming back. And no, no, no. He is as touchdown dependent at boomer bust as they come. Cause again, one good game so far this year and we're going to rank him as he's a, a locked tight end one. I think this game comes down to Ronald Jones steamrolling the Raiders. And I, I believe in Ronald. It's been a while coming, but this dude did something in this offseason. He's three straight 100-yard games and looked just really, really fucking good. I'll give it to CJ. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. one of the rare good predictions from that guy. Uh, Ronald Jones is fucking good. He's good this year, at least. Uh, I think he's going to get 20. And Arians came out this week and said, why would we not give Ronald Jones 20 to 25 carries and five catches? And, and so to me, they're going to center this game plan around him and against the Raiders team, give it up the most points per game uh, to running backs. Why wouldn't you? So it's going to be a Ronald Jones show. I don't think we get another game where, where Evans does nothing. And then Godwin's is mediocre. I don't either. I don't either. Gronk is a distant, like sixth in this offense. Let's not treat him like a tight end one folks. All right. Hail Mary, Darren Fells, 8% owned. Dazzle me. Why? <laughs> there's no, <laughs> there's, there's nothing to dazzle you. Like, what the fuck? It, I mean, twelve point seven and dazzling seventeen point five last week. I mean, that's pretty dazzling for your tight end position. And so was the usage: seven targets, six receptions, much more than the tight end or bust that tight ends been all year. Now Jordan Aikens was out for both of these back to back blow ups for the guy, so he might be back this week. And if so, that's risky. But again, at such a boomer bust position, and with this offense, it's no coincidence. In back-to-back weeks, he's done well. It's been the two weeks without Bill O'Brien, two weeks where they've used play action more than they've ever used it, two weeks where they've slung the ball deep. More than used. The offense is just clicking far higher. And against Green Bay, they're going to need to put up points. So touchdown or bust, give me one in an offense that's surging right now for a player that's surging himself too. All right, that brings us to the hypothetical of the week. <laughs> We're going to start this hypothetical of the week the same way we started one two weeks ago. Uh, you remember, remember how I started the one two weeks ago where you somehow you're hammered or whatever and you end uh, up meth, messing up? I believe. Uh, it no, was. no, no. Meth was last week. That was with Indomitian Sue. The one before was like two weeks ago. You had had a few drinks and went cruising around and you smashed up this mob boss's Bentley. 
Yeah. Right. And then Joey Sly got out of the car and him kicking you in the nuts was one of the options. So yeah. Joey Sly doesn't play into this one, but you being tanked and smashing into a mob boss's Bentley. That's a, I feel like that's a good start to a lot of hypotheticals because that raises the stakes immediately. Yep. So back to ground zero. <laughs> right, so these guys are basically going to kill you. It, it's an amount of money. I mean, this is an expensive Bentley. It's an amount of money. We don't have that Rotor Street Journal money yet. It's coming, but we don't have it yet. And you're you're just the wolf, and you're out on the street, and you're not you're not doing a good job making a case for yourself. And they're basically like, you know, for some reason the mob boss is in a weird mood. He's he's one he's a quirky Don. This guy is, and he's basically just like notices there's a football game that's about to start. It's for some reason being played in a neutral site, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs playing against the Dallas Cowboys. And or the Falcons, I don't care which one, but it's one of those two. And basically the guy's like, all right, here I'm I'm in a kind of betting kind of a mood. If the Cowboys can hold the Chiefs to 42 points or less, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you out of here with your life. Okay. And the other possibility is, and this one could just be much, much easier, but if they don't, I'm gonna kill you. And it's gonna be an ugly mob killing. But the other the the other possibilities might be easy. He's like, hey, you know, I'm a good guy. I'm I'm having a football clinic in a week for a bunch of local, let's say like a lo- bunch of local Italian kids. He's having them gather at the local playground, and he he's got an NFL player signed on to come and show up, and uh, you know, go through some drills and just like you know, put on a good showing with the kids and stuff like that. And as long as this guy shows up and he's on time. I'm willing to let this whole thing go. And the guy's Josh Gordon. So <laughs> which one are you taking? <laughs> oh, man. So my life's on the line either way. I'm gonna you know, your life's on the line. You gotta say which one of these things is more likely to happen. I mean, maybe you're not gonna get killed. Something bad's gonna happen to you. Um, so do you like Dallas to keep the Chiefs to 42 or less, or do you like Josh Gordon to show up on time uh for a skills and drills clinic with a bunch of kids? A bunch of Italian kids in a park. <laughs> oh, man. There's, there's no way Josh Gordon showing up on no, There's zero chance. There's zero chance. Like <laughs> there's a better chance of the Cowboys shutting him out. I know. I'm dead either way. This clinic just hoping beyond hope that like the next car that shows up is going to have Josh Gordon in it. And he's going to be in cloudy sort of shape where he can like be around kids. Exactly. Right. You know, if you're showing up, you're not going to be in shape to show up with kids. There's going to be smoke coming out the windows. Like, you just throw a bottle of booze out. Like, hey, you fucking giddies. Like, <laughs> where, are, where are all these Dago kids I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah, this? exactly. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm dead either way. Thanks for putting me in it. <laughs> lose, lose. I'm dying. Uh, but I, I guess I go for the Cowboys and just hope, yeah. like, it's one of those games that the, I don't know. I, there's no chance. I don't win. I don't, I don't live, but I, I think would just you have go. a better chance of the Cowboys uh, hold. I mean, you know, if, you know, it's like, if you saw a 38 to 10 score between the chiefs and the Cowboys, it wouldn't seem weird to you. You'd be like, okay. One turnover. But if somebody said turnover. to you, if somebody said to you, yeah, I was at this football clinic the other day and uh, that started at 10 AM and the celebrity football player that showed up there was josh gordon and he was totally punctual and and showed up and you'd be like what 
no way the, the world's gonna end everybody gets getting a bunker like <laughs> no fucking way <laughs> All right. i mean that was an easy one but it made us laugh that's the last question we have mitch you are the best and as all are you guys that interacted tonight um and anybody listening on the replay or podcast thanks so much anyone that tunes into this comment or this this content you guys are the best you're hopefully the best at fantasy because we are the best at it and you guys are the best for listening to us so thank you so much um, you can find us at rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves or the fantasy fullback dive podcast. We paved your path to 2020 titles. I am at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter, the Wolf of Roto Street. Um, and you can find us on Instagram. All your good stuff, Roto Street Journal uh, is where you can find us Facebook, YouTube, everything. Smash subscribes, likes, give us those follows to get our numbers up, and we'll keep helping you out all year, guys. Um, and we got one last question. If it wasn't 909 Orbits, I wouldn't do it, but this is a loyal fan. So let's answer this one, and then I'll sign us off for good. I got offered James Robinson for my T. Higgins and Mike Williams thoughts. Other running backs are Zeke and Drake. Other wide receivers are Diggs, A-Rob, Woods, and Hollywood. You got so much depth at receiver that, yeah, I'd take the running back offer, get some depth at that that stable. Don't love Robinson, and I do love Higgins, and I like Mike. I mean, that's a lot, but, like, when are those guys going to hit your lineup, really? So so I take it. There's a lot more wide receivers out there than running backs that you yeah. want to run up. So I, I kind of agree with the wolf here. Go Gibson. No doubt. McKissick or Gibson. No doubt. Alrighty guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I of course am the wolf. I'm the truth. Later guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Old-fashioned football right there, folks.